Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, you made it. This is, I think, the final week in the series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is week eight, and um, it's kind of a long for, uh, for a series. The subject matter is just so deep and wide, we've really, honestly, barely scratched the surface. Um, this is by no means a comprehensive study on the Holy Spirit. I would like to recommend to you two b- books for personal study. Uh, number one, I've been referenced it a lot, um, The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. If you haven't read that book, I highly recommend that you get it. Um, some of the material that I brought forth has come from that book, but it's just, man, it's fantastic. And it's so balanced that I just, I love what God is speaking through Pastor Robert and through that book. The other book, um, and I'm going to reference it today just once probably, but um, it's called When the Spirit Speaks, and it's by Warren D. Bullock. It's not as popular of a book. You can probably, I guess you can still find it wherever, you know, sometimes non Books that aren't as popular sort of go out of print or whatever, but I think this one is still circulating around. It's a very tiny book. It's called When the Spirit Speaks, Warren D. Bullock. And it's really all about what we're going to talk about today, which is the vocal gifts, prophecy, tongues, interpretation. Um, And it, again, is just fantastic. It was originally written to all of the ministers of the assembly, not written to, but it was given to all of the ministers of the Assemblies of God. I was working at an AG church at the time. That's how I got the book. But... I'm telling you, it's fantastic. So those two books, I would highly recommend. The God I Never Knew, When the Spirit Speaks. And that'll, be, that'll enable you on your own time. Because sometimes you're like, I want to study the Holy Spirit, but I don't even know what to do. Like, how, what, what is, you know, where do I start? And, and I think reading the Bible along with some Spirit-filled books will help you. And especially if you're trying to do a certain topic or whatever. And so I would highly encourage you. All right. For time's sake today, uh, the review is going to be minimal. But if you missed any of these weeks, I'd highly encourage you to go back to the podcast, YouTube, catch up. Next week, as we already mentioned, is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, we'll join with followers all across the globe in the celebration of the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out for all of mankind. And so to close out this series, we'll be having a morning of worship and ministry. We'll have no agenda but to worship the Lord. And we're just going to seek him. We're going to chase him. And I want you to expect him to speak into your life. We're going to sing. We'll lift our hands. There'll be moments of silence, moments of quiet, moments of celebration. But I'm telling you in advance so you can begin to prepare your heart because you'll get into it what you put out of it. Did I say that right? You'll get into it what you, yes, you'll get, you get out of it what you put into it. Let me say it again. Yes, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. The long, long-standing saying was that expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. And if we come with expectation next week and we're all fired up and prayed up and asking the Lord to fill us through the week, I believe it's just going to be like a bunch of soda bottles just shook up. Just <laughs> and God's just going to touch, touch our lives. All right, we've spent the first part of this series. He is not an impersonal force or just a power to be obtained. I mean, he's part of the Holy Trinity, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons eternally existing as one God. And when we talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being persons, we don't mean that they are human beings or they are like mankind in any way, although we were created in his image. But in our everyday language, that's kind of how the word person is 
perceived and used. So it's understandable that when someone says three persons, it can bring confusion. But when we reference the three persons of the Trinity, when we talk about God, we're using the word person to show that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit each have personhood or personality. Each of them have intellect, emotion, and volition, yet they are one. And so we also talked about how the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our peace, our guide, our helper, our advocate. And we asked the question, why wouldn't we want a relationship with him? And then we spent the last two weeks and we've looked at the gifts of the Spirit as listed in 1 Corinthians 12. All right, these nine gifts are not an exhaustive list. It's not, it's not like the Holy Spirit has nine gifts and that's it. Right, Paul also lists other gifts in this same passage. But even beyond that, I think it would be very arrogant for us to think that the God of the universe can only manifest himself in nine ways. At the same time, it doesn't give us license or authority to go out and do whatever we want and call it the Holy Spirit. I think... I think doing that would certainly classify as taking the Lord's name in vain. Um, so the nine gifts are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about, they can, you can read about them in 1 Corinthians 12. They can be broken down into three categories. The discerning gifts, the dynamic gifts, some call them power gifts, and the vocal gifts, or uh, others call them declarative gifts. And we spent the last two weeks detailing or talking in detail about these, and so I won't rehash all of it. But just quickly, the discerning gifts make up or are made up of the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, and word of knowledge. The dynamic gifts or the power gifts would be gifts of healings, working in miracles, and special faith. Uh, and today we're going to jump into the vocal gifts or the declarative gifts, which would be gift of prophecy, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And we're likely going to have to revisit this in more detail at another time. Uh, to be honest, it was my intention to cover all nine of these gifts in the first sermon. Um, but at the end of day one, I had 30 pages of notes, and I was like, we're going to we're gonna have to extend this out a little bit. Uh, so we had to divide it up. I honestly don't know how far we'll get today, um, but we're going to do our best. All right, the gift of prophecy. When I say prophecy, what do you think of? Future. Yeah, most people will associate prophecy with predicting the future. And while prophecy certainly can be about the future, that's not always always the case. When the Bible speaks of prophecy, it's really talking about declaring the Word of God. And so for that, kind of the definition or the explanation of prophecy as listed in 1 Corinthians 12 would be prophecy is a message of encouragement from God delivered through a human to another person or persons. Now Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Look at the language Paul gives regarding prophecy. It should strengthen us or edify us. It should encourage us and it should comfort us according to 1 Corinthians 14, 3. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. I think we have a basic understanding. So let's jump into the big, hairy, scary ones. Gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Um, and we'll spend the rest of the message talking about this. For some of you, this will be confirmation. For others of you, it will bring clarification. And for others, it may even raise more questions. Which I think is great because anytime our, anytime our mind and our spirits are stirred up enough to begin to read the Bible for ourselves and study on our own, that's a good thing. All right, going back to Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. He's writing this letter. The Corinthian church is a mess. There's sexual immorality. There's incest. There's lawsuits among the believers. There's questions about marriage and divorce. There's disputes about eating food, sacrifice to idols, and so on and so on. 
We read partially about Paul's time with the Corinthian church in Acts chapter 18. And there we learn that he stayed there for about a year and a half. The Corinthians are baby Christians. They became believers. They were baptized. And apparently at least some of them were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I'm inferring that based on Paul's extensive instructions on the subject of speaking in tongues, prophecy, and the other gifts of the Spirit. Now listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 beginning in the second part of verse 1. He says, When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. I love that. Paul said, look, I came with a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't about me trying to coerce you or work you up into anything or, or win you over with whatever. When I came, I declared Jesus, him crucified, and the Holy Spirit's power showed up, and that's where you place your belief. And we drop to verse 12, and he says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. In other words, all of the things, he's saying, all of the things that I'm teaching you weren't learned by human wisdom. The Holy Spirit revealed those things to me, he's saying, so I revealed them and delivered them, taught them to you. Verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And they cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. All right, now Paul is saying that they need the Spirit of God to understand the things that he's teaching because they seem foolish to the natural mind. And the same is true for us today. If we try to grasp all that there is, especially about the Holy Spirit, only with our natural mind, we will never fully receive all that God has for us. Amen. Paul said in verse 14 that the things that come from the Spirit can only be discerned through the Spirit. And why am I talking about this? Because as we move into the declarative or the vocal gifts, this is where we begin to lose some folk. Now, in my opinion, those people with the analytical mind, like me, have the most time, the most difficult time with this subject matter because you're thinking too much. Something happens and you just begin to analyze. You come into a room where there's a lot, you know, it seems like the Holy Spirit's moving and instead of like, you know, some of you are just straight up. You're like all in, hands raised, let's go chasing Jesus and everybody else is like, what's he doing? What's he? He's just looking around, you know, and if you're musical at all, you're listening to things, you're like, why can't I, I can't hear that, I can't hear this and you're just analyzing everything that's going on in the room. And so in my opinion, I think that we, people like that, have the most difficult time with this. I don't hear what I'm not saying. Too many Christ followers just check their minds at the door. And that's not what God has called us to do either. We don't just blindly accept everything that someone says or does just because they called it the Spirit of God. Paul said in verse 16, we have the mind of Christ. A renewed mind is able to discern what is truth and what is a lie. 
Even in verse 14, going back to that, he says, we discern that things of the Spirit can only be discerned by the Spirit. The word discern there literally means to spiritually examine, to judge, or to investigate specifically in a forensic sense. So it's the Spirit of God that's judging the atmosphere. You're, you're examining it almost like a CSI going, ah, I don't know, that doesn't feel like that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals that. In another place, Scripture tells us to test the Spirit. John, 1 John 2.20, we've referenced this the last few weeks. Uh, John said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know, and all of you know the truth. The anointing, the Holy One, the Spirit of God in you knows, knows the truth. The Spirit of God will reveal it to you when something is not of Him. It's a balancing act, right, between our minds and our spirit. Our lives, as we've been talking about all year, are transformed by the renewing of our mind, by filling our mind with the Word of God. But we live in these two worlds, in this, in this tension. Going back to the book, Warren, uh, uh, When the Spirit Speaks by Warren D. Bullock, he says this, quote, True experience not rooted in sound doctrine, can push the fringes of fanaticism. But doctrine devoid of experience will never be life-changing. And I love that. All spirit and no doctrine or all spirit and no mind and we end up in fanatic world. All doctrine and, or all mind and no spirit and we experience no life change. Remember, I've been saying since the beginning that renewal, which is our theme for the year, is this It's two sides of the same coin. We need mind renewed. We need Holy Spirit empowered. Jesus said it this way in John 4, 23. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Both sides of the coin. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father speaks. Not the ones that are checking their mind at the door and just going. You understand what I'm saying? All right. Again, why does this matter? Because we cannot understand the subject matter only with our minds. It's the Spirit of God in us that brings the revelation. And we must allow the Holy Spirit in us to lead the investigation. All right, let's go back to Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We're going to read through um, chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one as He determines Now, the rest of this chapter, Paul is comparing the gifts of the spirit with the human body. He's saying, look, the foot shouldn't be jealous of the hand. And the foot can't say, hey, because I'm not the hand, I'm no longer a part of the body. And I've heard this preached. I've preached it many times myself. This passage of scripture, we usually are talking about unity in the body, that every person is valuable and finding your place to serve and all those things. And that's a valid application of this passage. But the context is in regards to spiritual gifts. So first of all, Paul's saying, don't be jealous of someone else's gift. Just because someone has a different gift than we do does not mean that we can remove ourselves from the body simply because we wish I had somebody else's gift. Oh, I wish I had them. I'm not a part of this. I'm going to go somewhere else. So your gifts and my gifts collectively make up the body of Christ. Remember how he started. The spirit gives to each one for the common good. 
And just like we can't separate our human bodies and still be a complete body, we also cannot separate the gifts of the Spirit and still be the complete body of Christ. Even the gifts that we don't fully understand, we need those to be a complete body. Except for the appendix. (laughs) Apparently we don't actually need or use our appendix. I don't know what it does. So if you happen to be the appendix of the body of Christ, I'm sorry, you are disposable. So... (laughs) Well, man, it sounds like we've got a lot of appendix in the room. <laughs> like, oh, that's me. What do you mean? Well, that joke went a lot better than I thought it was going to. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Look, this isn't some kind of buffet. We can't just pick and choose what we want and leave the rest behind. We can't walk up to the buffet. Oh, prophecy is good. Healing's good. Faith is good. You know, and Paul references administration and helps, you know what I mean? So we can't be like, I don't really like math or organization. Let's leave off administration. I don't like helping people. That's a huge inconvenience to my life. I don't need that. I will take a few miracles. Tongues and interpretation, I don't even understand that. So let's leave that off. Let's just completely ignore that. Look, that's not up to us. Paul says that the Spirit gives as He wills. Now, I want to jump over a couple chapters to 1 Corinthians 14. And this is this chapter is the same theme. He's talking about gifts. It's a continuation of what he's talking about in chapter 12. Now listen, there are 40 verses in chapter 14. We simply cannot go through each of these in one setting. Um, if we were more of an expository type or style church, we would work our way through each one verse by verse over a series of weeks or maybe even months. We, we're, we, we don't do that a lot here. Pastor Johnny does it on Wednesday. He's still in Matthew chapter 3, I think. They started (laughs) four years ago. But I'm begging you to read this for yourself. Okay? Pick up some study material and get to these verses and read through them yourself. Now listen, there are practices at work in the modern church that are contrary to Scripture. And it's been so long since some of us have studied this material that we've drifted away from Paul's instructions. Now, the first time I taught on this in 2019, I was so afraid. We were just barely getting started as a church. We weren't even sure we were going to make it. And this was the one message, message topic that I felt like I could lose everyone because I'm, I was too Pentecostal or charismatic for the non Pentecostal folk. And I was not Pentecostal enough for a more traditional Pentecostal folk. And to be honest, I still feel like I fall in that category. My traditional Pentecostal people are like, hey, he's not going hard enough. And then the Pentecostal folk are like, he's getting a little too crazy for me. And that's why God sent you here, so we can have balance. Now, hear what I'm saying. I do not want the traditions of men. We spent lots of time talking about that on the front end. Jesus said it's the traditions of men that make the word of God null and void. I don't want traditions. I want the Holy Spirit. I want his gifts to manifest, but more than his gifts, I want him. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, beginning in verse 1, he says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. 
But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. There's that verse again. When we prophesy, we're speaking to people for strengthening, encouraging, encouragement, and comfort. And the reason I say that is because some people just beat you up with prophecy. They're all the time trying to call out all your sin. They're trying to make you feel this way and that way. Listen, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit will never say, hey, get your life together, because he does that from time to time. But I'm saying if someone is abusing the gift of prophecy and just speaking over your life, constantly bringing condemnation, that's not of God. All right. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, all through chapter 14, Paul seems to be doing a bit of a balancing act as he talks about what we would call private tongues or public tongues. Again, please go home, read these passages on your own. Now, here's one place that I want to differentiate between what we would call or what's referenced in 1 Corinthians 12 as the gift of tongues and what some would call a personal prayer language. A personal prayer language could also be referred to as praying in tongues or praying in the Spirit. You'll kind of hear these words used interchangeably within Pentecostal charismatic circles. So we could also refer to it as public tongues and private tongues between the two. Private tongues, public tongues. All right, now here's something that helped me understand the difference between public tongues, private tongues. Private tongues is the Holy Spirit praying through us to God. Public tongues is a message from God to us. Do you understand? Private is prayer to God. Public, from God, to us. I mean, very simple kind of way to differentiate between the two. Now let me show you what I mean. In verse 2, Paul said, When we pray in a tongue, we are speaking to God, not to people. He said, we are edifying ourselves or building ourselves up. Listen to the words of Jude in his letter. In Jude chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. I mean, there's only one chapter in the book of Jude, but this is important. James and Jude are the brothers of Jesus. All right, so when you read these letters or these books of the Bible, to me, it brings great confirmation to who Jesus was. Because if anyone would have known that Jesus was not the Son of God, it would have been his brothers. Yet here they are, writing and encouraging believers. All right, Jude chapter 1, verse 20, 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up. Remember what Paul said, when you pray in the Spirit, you're building yourself up, edifying yourself. He's echoing the same same concept. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, private prayer language. Well, again, private is us, the spirit praying through us to God. Praying in the spirit builds us up. It edifies us. Now, back to Paul's words. Verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. In other words, your mind doesn't know what you're praying. You don't understand it yourself, but yet at the same time, your spiritual man is built up. Now let's contrast that quickly with public tongues. Verse 26. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each one of you has a hymn, 
or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. All right. Do you see that? He uses the words when we come together. Right. That's a corporate gathering. And he says everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Do you see the difference? Paul said in verse four, praying in tongues edifies or builds up the believer. And now he's saying that tongues are used to edify or build up the church. So which is it? It seems a bit contradictory. It's both because he's giving us corporate instruction. At the same time, he's given us personal instruction all at the same time. Are you guys tracking with me? All right, here we go. Back to the pub or the corporate use of tongues. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three should speak. Two or at the most three should speak. One at a time and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. See, the corporate church gathering together in a gathered, you know, when we when we assemble together, the church can only be edified through tongues if there's an interpretation given. That's why Paul said pursue prophecy, because the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless there's an interpretation given. Now, someone might ask, well, then why speak in tongues at church at all? I think that's a fair question. But part of the reason we already answered from verse from chapter 12, just as we can't separate certain parts of our body and be a complete whole body, we cannot separate the gifts of the spirit and be a complete whole church body. Another part of the answer is found in verse 39 and 40 of, of, of chapter 14, when he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. All right, so Paul says, don't forbid speaking in tongues, but at the same time, he's also bringing correction to a church that's misusing the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, I can only imagine what their corporate gatherings were like. I mean, it sounds as though these baby Christians were so excited about God and the gifts of the Spirit that they would just come together and several, if not all, were just speaking in tongues simultaneously. Some were singing, some were prophesying, and there was chaos and confusion. See, if our services get completely out of order and confusion comes, then no one is edified. No one is built up. And Scripture tells us that confusion is not of God. Now, as we've already discussed, there's so many different backgrounds among us. We have a lot of people who already speak in tongues in the form of a personal prayer language. There are people that have a personal prayer language that have never operated in the gift of tongues, which would be a public tongue. And there are a lot of people in the room that don't. You've never prayed either in a public, in a, in a public tongue, meaning you gave a message in tongues and or you've never prayed in private with a private tongue as he's talking about building ourselves up. There's people from all over. Now, from time to time, you'll hear someone praying, singing in tongues during worship. I don't address that because I don't perceive that it's out of order. Right. I feel that in those moments, we're doing what Scripture says when Paul says, praying quietly to themselves and to God. They're edifying themselves. So you're sitting there, someone's worshiping beside you, and you hear them, and there's, there's praying in tongues, singing in tongues, whatever. It's not, this, now we, it's not like we've crossed over and now we're not following Scripture. He says, pray quietly to yourself and to the Lord. Look again at verse 14, I mean chapter 14, verse 28. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should... Keep quiet in the church, speak to himself and to God. So when you hear people that you see 
close by, praying, singing, worshiping. Don't be alarmed. Again, we're well within our scriptural guidelines. But if tongues exceed the volume level of everything else, then we're no longer building ourselves up. We're now addressing the congregation. So the Bible says that there must be an interpretation. Now, the first time that we ever had a message in tongues in this church, I was at the piano. I was playing during worship and everything got real quiet. And bam, man, somebody started just giving a message in tongues. And it was not like, you know, this might be from the Lord. I'm not sure if I want to do this. It was like, hey, and I was like, I was at the piano and I bowed my head and I was praying. It was more like begging God. I was just going, God, please let someone interpret. God, please let someone interpret. God, please let someone interpret. I mean, even if he wanted to give me the interpretation, I wouldn't have heard it because I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Church, this is it. We're losing the church. This is it. We're done. People are never coming back, never coming back. But someone thankfully gave the interpretation. So I would say that that was a proper use of the gifts of the Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians 12. Someone gave a message in tongues and interpretation was given. Now, this has not happened here at Everyday Church, but I've experienced this personally in other environments. Someone will give what they perceive to be a message in tongues and then no interpretation is given. What happened? One of two things. Either the person who gave the tongue publicly should have remained quiet. And maybe that was just a private tongue from them. It's just them and God. So maybe it wasn't a message for the people. It was just, again, it was a private tongue. Or two, they heard the Lord, delivered the message in tongues, and someone had the interpretation and didn't give it. And they were like, I don't know. I don't know if this God, this is not God. Now, look, I understand this is... Uh, it's just scary territory, right? I mean, if you've ever experienced this, it's wild. You know what I mean? Like, there's been one time in my life I gave a message in tongues, and it was on the last time we did this series, the very last of it. And I was like, oh, God, please don't do this. You know what I mean? I'm sitting there. We did a question. Those of you that have been here for a while, at the end of the Holy Spirit series, we did a question answer day. We took questions ahead of time, and then we just sat and we went through the questions that people had from the series. And at the end of the question and answers, I felt so strongly that the Lord wanted me to deliver a message in tongues. And I was looking for, I was looking for Meryl, and I was looking for Jim, people, people that I know that will you know, give an interpretation. And Jim was in the back on the other side of the room. Actually, Meryl was here, I think. I don't know if you I think Meryl is the one that interpreted it. I don't remember what the word was. But Jim was on the other side of the room because it was pastor appreciation. And he was getting all the kids to come in. And we didn't, Katie and I didn't know what was going on. And I was just like, okay, I don't know. I've never done this. I feel like I'm about to pee myself. <laughs> but this is what I feel. And I just released it into the atmosphere. And the same thing. Oh, God, please let someone interpret. Oh, God, please let someone interpret. <laughs> And sure enough, I think it was Meryl who, but who, who brought the interpretation of that. But I'm telling you that story to say, look, I get it. Like when you're sitting there and you're feeling that prompting to do something that's not just private between you and God, but that's a message for the body of Christ, for the people that you're with, it can be, you know what I mean? There's tension there. I get that. You feel those emotions. And that's why I say we have to have grace for people. You know, we have to have moments where people can exercise their gifts and feel a safe space where the pastor or leaders can come to them later and say, hey, I know you gave that message, 
And I, I really love that you're chasing after God and trying to hear his voice. Maybe that, that wasn't the right moment, or maybe you should have held that, or maybe that was a private tongue where we can receive instruction and not be so pushed down and defeated. Like, you're out of order. You know what I mean? Like, we had to have this balance where we can encourage people to pursue the gifts and, and have, have some space to, to grow in what the Lord, Lord is doing. And because we run in Pentecostal circles mostly, you'll see and hear this a lot. And <laughs> the last time I talked about this, some people didn't like it. So my hardcore Pentecostal folk, I apologize in advance. Um, because we're in Pentecostal circles a lot, I hear a lot of people praying in tongues in their personal prayer language in the microphone. And there's no interpretation given. They have no intention of letting it be interpreted. What are they doing? They're building themselves up. Right? I've done that here, but not in the microphone. Like during worship, I can see people, you know, God's touching. And I just begin to pray in my prayer language, you know, just kind of just, sometimes you don't know what to pray. There are verses in Romans where, where Paul says, you don't know what to pray. Let the spirit of God pray through you. And so there are moments I'm like, God, I don't know what you to do. I don't know what you want to do in this moment, but I'm yielding myself to him and I'm praying in the spirit. Now, people that would do that, I'm not super offended by it. I just don't personally believe it's scriptural. Because Paul said, if there's no interpretation, there should be no public tongue. Now, these are Paul's words, not mine. Verse 28, if there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Now, at the same time, some of these men of God are powerful men of God, men that I admire, men that I learn from. Some of them are literally being used to bring thousands of people to Christ every year. And I can't argue with the fruit of their ministries. It's just not how I choose to operate in our ministry. Again, there have been many moments where I've prayed in the spirit in our services or during worship, but I just don't do it in the microphone because I don't feel like it's a tongue for the entire body. Now, there have been moments in my life where I sense God in the room, and we've had some of those this morning, and there have been moments where you just know God is in the room. And those moments, you don't, it's like you can't find the words. So in those moments, like it's just like it just bubbles up out of you. There's no, it feels like there's no other proper response but to allow the Spirit of God to pray, pray through you. But there's a scriptural and a biblical way that we are to, to respond to and use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially when we're in a corporate setting. Now, at the same time, now listen, and I cannot emphasize this enough. We're talking about mortal human bodies. Human beings that are encountering the creator of the universe. I mean, do you see the tension in these two worlds? Our natural bodies trying to contain a supernatural or respond to a supernatural God. So I completely understand that there are moments when we just don't know what to do. Our response to the moving of the Holy Spirit isn't going to look the same for every person. The way that I respond is not the way that you will respond. When we're worshiping, we don't respond the same way. The way we worship, the way we express our emotions, it's not all the same. Someone, some people get extremely emotional. Some people get loud. Some people get quiet. There's all these different responses. But the thing is, is we have no idea what it is that somebody's going through. So at the same time that we're offering grace for the gifts, we offer grace as people worship. 
Look, I'm not suggesting we have a free-for-all, but what did Paul say? Everything must be done with decency and order. But don't allow yourself to get offended or worked up if someone expresses their worship a little different than you do or I do. That person may have just walked through something that was so dark and indescribable, but God came through at the last moment, and they have nothing left but just to shout out and say, Hallelujah! All right, I got to wrap this up. Um, here's what I want to leave us with today. And I may, I'm not going to speak next week as far as a message, but I, I may bring an exhortation for just a few moments on private tongues. Because I know that there are people in here that are seeking that manifestation of the Spirit in their lives. Uh, and you just, you just haven't had that happen. And so I'm going to talk about that. We were in our small group a couple weeks ago, and someone was sharing a story that they had gone up to. It was a Pentecostal service, and, and they were trying to teach them how to speak in tongues. They were saying, you should have bought a Hyundai or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not a direct quote, but it was something like that. You know, this is, this is a line of people, and they're like, all right, here's what I want you to do. Say, should have bought a Hyundai, should have bought a Hyundai. And just keep saying that over and over and over, and then pretty soon you'll get it. And, you know... Maybe it sounds like tongues, but we're not, we're not going to do that. We don't, we don't do that. Um, I, I think some of the best, best encouragement that I got was, and I don't know if my mom even remembers this, there was a short period in our time when I was a little kid, we were doing family devotions in the trailer. We lived next to my mom and Pat Bob Bill. And there was a moment where we were praying, and you know she was fresh out of, Hardcore Pentecost, you know, you don't speak in tongues, I don't, you don't go to heaven, I don't know. Anyway, but she wanted us to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm thankful for that. But I remember as a little kid, and she, you know, I knelt down, there's this old plaid, ugly chair. <laughs> wow, that thing was rough. Anyway, uh, I remember kneeling there and praying, and she encouraged me, encouraged me to just say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. And uh, you don't, Sorry, I get emotional. Anyway, you don't know this because I've never shared it with you. But for the rest of my life in my public, in, in, my, in ministry, when I'm encouraging people to seek the Lord, I, that's, I, use that same, um, I use that same instruction that you gave me. So anyway, I'm sitting there. I'm kneeling down as a little kid. I'm just going, thank you, Jesus. 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 And, and then just, I just, you know, the Holy Spirit filled me, you know, with the evidence of speaking in tongues as a small child. I don't think I spoke in tongues again until I was like a teenager. But... Um, that was my first moment with the experience of with experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit and or speaking in tongues. And I was a little kid. And then again, just kind of lie dormant for a long time. And I've learned so much since then, obviously. You know, we've read through Luke chapter 11 where, where Jesus said, ask the Father and he will send it. And in Pentecostal doctrines, it's, it's all about the evidence. And again, I, you know, I want us to chase the giver, not the gift. We're chasing him. We're thanking him. We're worshiping him. Yes. Right? The gifts are, are an after effect of relationship. Yes. Yes. And in too many circles, it's all about, I mean, I've been in these services because I've grown up leading worship in Pentecostal churches. But I've been in these services where there's a huge altar call for people to receive the Holy Spirit. But really what it should be is it should be an altar call for people to speak in tongues. Because they come up and then the minister will be there and they're praying for people and be filled and fire and fall. Rah, rah, and it's allowed. And I like that. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to get cranked up and the organ and let's go. And like I, I enjoy that atmosphere. But 
They're sitting there and then they're listening. And then someone will say, you know, shit about a Honda or whatever it is. And they're like, they got it. They got it. They got it. And it's a celebration moment. And listen, I'm not saying they didn't get baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying that there's too much emphasis on only that. I don't want to seek the gift. I want to seek the giver. Relationship with him. That's what will change our lives. Jesus said that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon you and you would be witnesses. So as we seek the giver, the power of the Holy Spirit empowers us to live right, to be holy, to be righteous. All right, here's what I want to leave us with. There's a difference in corporate tongues and private tongues. Again, it's a balancing act. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. 13 is all about love. 14 is about corporate gifts, but it's also about a private moving of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. And then in verse 12, or chapter 12, is about the body of Christ and about the gifts of the Spirit operating all together. But it all, all of that runs together, 12, 13, and 14. But today I want to leave us with the difference in corporate tongues, private tongues. Corporate tongues would be an example of the gift of tongues that we read about in 1 Corinthians 12. Corporate tongues or the gift of tongues always requires the interpretation of tongues, which is also the gift listed in the 9 in 1 Corinthians 12. If the gift of tongues manifests, the interpretation of tongues should also manifest. And just so you're not confused, because even in verse four, chapter 14, Paul talks about this. If someone gives a tongue, a message in tongues, that's public tongues, he says, pray that you may interpret. So there are moments where someone will have a message in tongues. They deliver that. It's public. It's not just for them and the Lord. They're not edifying themselves. It's supposed to be an edification for the body. That same person then will interpret. And that seems weird sometimes. Because like, shouldn't it come from someone else? Well, scripturally says it can happen through the same person. And why wouldn't it? Because he gives as he wills, not as you will. Just because you want her to interpret because you like the way that she, God, the Holy Spirit might not want to do that. So public tongues or the gift of tongues always requires the interpretation of tongues. And if they don't come together, then one of them, somebody's out of, out of line. Now, look, not everyone will operate in this gift. And when I say this gift, I'm talking about the gift of tongues publicly. Not everyone is going to operate in that. It's happened one time in my entire life. And honestly, I hope it doesn't ever happen again. (laughs) Paul said to pursue prophecy. I'd rather have prophecy than tongues. Oh, God, please don't do this again. (laughs) Okay, let's keep going for something crazy happens. Uh, <laughs> not everyone is going to operate in the corporate gift of tongues. Um, just like not everyone will prophesy, not everyone will have a word of knowledge. But private tongues, and this is the part where we really need another week to talk about this. Private tongues or personal prayer language is for everyone. It's for everyone. For everyone who's been baptized in or with the Holy Spirit. See, praying in the Spirit is how we build ourselves up. And the only prerequisite for for speaking in tongues as a personal prayer language, remember, private is us to God, the Spirit speaking through us to God. 
The only prerequisite is salvation. Coming to Christ. Repentance. I turn my life around. I surrender to Him. I'm drawn by the Holy Spirit to, into the body of Christ. You know, we learned about that when we talked about the three baptisms. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ, into one body. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit can happen simultaneously, but it doesn't have to. It could all happen at once. You can repent of your sins and be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, whatever. That could all happen in just one moment or maybe years. I, I don't know. I don't know where you are. There are people in the room right now that have repented of your sin. You're on your way to heaven, but you haven't gone into that next experience yet. And we talked about that you know, several weeks ago, that there are more than one experience. And we went through Scripture and, and looked at that. Private tongues, personal prayer language is for everyone. Praying in the Spirit is how we build ourselves up. I want to end with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Adrian, come play. And he says in verse 19, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Don't treat prophecy with contempt. Now look, he specifically says prophecy, and I'm not trying to read into it here, but I think the principle is don't treat the gifts of the Spirit with contempt. The gifts are not for our entertainment They're not to build platforms or a name for ourselves. They are to edify or build up the body of Christ. And as we've said the entire time, the Holy Spirit testifies to who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus. And so in these moments where we're using the Holy Spirit, and if it makes much of us and not much of Jesus, then we're out of line. We're we're in error. Because the Holy Spirit must point people to Him. Don't quench the spirit. That word quench is like putting out a fire. When the fire of the Holy Spirit begins to burn, don't be throwing water on it. Don't treat prophecies or the gifts of the spirit with contempt, but test them all. Remember, we talked about that in the beginning. Discern. They're discerned through the spirit. We put them through a forensic test in our spirit. The Holy Spirit's discerning whether this is of God, whether it's not of God. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Look, I don't want to be a church that holds the gifts in contempt. Paul opens up this whole passage and he says, I don't want you to be ignorant regarding the gifts of the Spirit. I also don't want to be a church that's ignorant regarding the gifts of the Spirit. Most importantly, I don't want to be a church that misses out on relationship with the Holy Spirit. I was talking to the, our small group this past Thursday. We, our band started learning a song called Done Enough, and I referenced it several weeks ago. And I, it's just the heart, it's my heart cry right now. And the lyrics say, if you never do anything else, you've already done enough. I want that kind of relationship. What if the Holy Spirit never manifests another gift? I want a relationship that says you've already done enough. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood You saved me. You called me a son and a daughter. If you never do anything else, that's enough. Let's pursue him. And I believe that the gifts of the Spirit will follow the relationship with him.
You know, 1 Corinthians is a correction letter. He's bringing correction to the way the body of Christ is using and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And I wonder if the Apostle Paul were alive today and he visited specifically the American church, would he write a letter of rebuke to the modern church about how we operate in the gifts of the Spirit? I don't want to be on the receiving end of a rebuke. I want us to pursue relationship and I want us to follow Paul's instructions. Be a church of balance. Be a church that's committed to the Word of God above all things. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for such an amazing day today. Listen, I wanted to bring some clarification. I was thinking about the message, and I made a statement about the gifts of the Spirit that um, needed probably some further uh, clarification. So uh, it's just nearly impossible to talk about every single nuance. Um, but I did make a somewhat of a blanket statement um, in regards to uh, the gift of tongues, I said something to the effect of the gift of tongues is always accompanied with the interpretation of tongues. So the two gifts would work together. And while that's true, generally, there have been um, numerous documented reports where someone would speak in an unknown tongue. Um, and while they didn't know what they were speaking, it was a physical language of someone else. So I don't speak Spanish. For instance, the Holy Spirit would give you a message in tongues, and when it comes out, it's a foreign tongue to you, but it may be fluent Spanish for someone else or Portuguese or or whatever, and then the hearer hears it in their native tongue. And so anyway, maybe like I wasn't even thinking about that, but I just want to bring some clarification. I, I try to stay away from super blanket statements, and I made one today, and then as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, that's not... That it, there's, there's more nuance to it than that. So I want to bring some clarification on that. Um, anyway, something else to think about. So anyway, thanks again. Great Sunday. Enjoy uh, your time with family tomorrow if you're off work and uh, go to the beach, hang out by water. It's very hot. Anyway, love you. Peace out. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.